Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford. We hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he is doing in your life. We are continuing in our autumn series, Pray Prayers of the People, taking time to look at some of the powerful prayers throughout the Bible, their lasting effects on God's people and how God is responding to and fulfilling those prayers and promises in our lives today. We hope this talk fills you up and for more like this, subscribe to the podcast. prayers whilst Emily and I have been on holiday we had a fantastic time switched the brains off the countryside in Scotland was outstanding uh, and the weather was great too 26 in John O'Groats who would have thunk whilst it was about 10 here If you've got your Bibles, do grab them, open them. There are some on windowsills if you don't have them. Uh, We're looking at Psalm 51. It's about halfway through the Bible, uh, and you'll come to a strange set of books called Psalms, uh, which are songs and prayers that have been collected for us to build us up and to uh, teach us more about ourselves and more about God. Uh, Today's psalm is written by King David. King David was an ancient king in Israel who is still, even now in Israel, referred to as Israel's greatest king. Israel's greatest king and a foreshadowing of the Messiah who is Jesus. And so with that in mind, we hear these readings and we're thinking, hang on, but King David, he's the greatest king, but there's something sinister in his past. You know, if, if we see that and we think, okay, you're Israel's greatest king, if that was today, you might have been sacked or ousted at the next general election. There would be public inquiries There would be shame and disgrace. You would be cast out of the public eye. See, what had happened was that David was a little bit of a naughty boy. He, in uh, 2 Samuel, if you've got Bibles, you can turn back to it, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, When kings went out to war, uh, David stayed at home in his palace in Jerusalem, and whilst his men and generals were out fighting, he saw this lovely lady bathing outside one of his windows, someone called Bathsheba. And uh, he sent out someone to find out who she was uh, and discovered that she was married to a person called Uriah the Hittite. He was out fighting, she was at home, and uh, David summoned her to... uh, the palace, and uh, they slept together. But that isn't where it stops. She comes to him and says, well, I've conceived a child. And then he really starts to freak out. And he tries to cover it up by calling Uriah the Hittite back from war in the hope that he would sleep with his wife and David could say, that's, that's Uriah's child, not his. But Uriah decided to, to stay outside and camp out 
in Jerusalem rather than go home to his wife because his men were out on the battlefield and he wanted to be with them. And so uh, Uriah and Bathsheba did not sleep together. The child was definitely David's uh, and he tries to then cover it up. He calls Uriah back uh, and, and after that sends Uriah back to the battle with a letter saying, put him at the most intense fighting in the battle. And at its most difficult point, pull the armies back and let Uriah be killed. Wow. This is David, Israel's greatest king, the one they still hail as the, the, the best king, the one who is going to foreshadow the Messiah. But yet this is his story. This is his sinister past. If that was today, could you imagine what would happen? There would be public outrage. But that is David's past. And that's what's just before where we get to in today's story. And David thinks he's off the hook. He thinks, oh, I've got away with it. That hidden past, no one's found out about it. But God has other ideas. And if we just turn back to 2 Samuel 12... says this, 1 to 14, it says this, then the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. He shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who'd come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man. And said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, this man must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are this man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart your own house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own house, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. 
you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Wow. He thought it was all covered up. But God sent Nathan, a prophet, to go and find him and share that with him. See, even the most hidden things in our lives, God knows about. The things that we want to keep hidden away, he just knows. But just imagine being David for that moment, the worst thing you could possibly ever have done. Someone comes to you and says it. Could you imagine what you'd be feeling? You would be freaking out. God has revealed my deepest, darkest secret, and now it's in the light. Nathan knows, God knows, who else might know? I wonder if we think about that a little bit whenever we come to church. Ooh, that person's looking at me. Do they know my secret sin? Do they know? If I go forward for prayer, will God whisper in their ear what my secret sin is? And I don't think he will. But here we we see that the prophet Nathan went and told David exactly what happened. And what would be our reaction? Well, for some of us, it would be, let's run away. I'm not going to be anywhere near these holy people because they know exactly what's going on. Or, like David, try and cover it up. If we cover it up and we kind of paper over all the cracks, everything will be okay. Or we might pretend like it didn't happen. But I wonder if our reaction would be the same as David's and turn to prayer. Because that's what Psalm 51 is. It's a prayer. He's been found out and he comes before God and says, I've sinned against you, Lord. I've sinned against you and you only. I think this, uh, this prayer is broken down into a few bits. It's who God is, who David is, and who we are. It's about forgiveness that then leads to worship. See, this prayer of David He starts out by saying, God, you are like this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. God, have mercy on me. You're God. I'm not. You are holy and forgive my sin. See, when we know who God is, we can come before him and say these sorts of things. God, you are holy, yes, but you're wanting to forgive because you love us. Even though we sometimes do the most awful things, we can come back to you, God, and you can forgive us. You love us and you love David. Have compassion on me, he cries out to God. Have pity on me or concern for my state of being. 
have compassion, blot out my transgressions, sort of scrub them away. Don't just paper them over or tip X over them, but kind of rub them out. Wash away my sin and iniquity, that immoral behavior that I've had, and cleanse me from my sin. Why? Because God is righteous, God is merciful, God is loving, he's compassionate. But sometimes we forget that, don't we? We like God is too holy for us. We can't come into his presence and that's true. But through Jesus we can all come, regardless of what we've done. Regardless whether we think we are far from him, we can come into his presence just like David did. Say, God, we're sorry. We're sorry. You are holy. You are just. Cleanse me from my sin. He's the only one who can. He's the only one who can. Sometimes we come to God and we think, oh, you don't know God. You don't know how I feel. But he does. He knows exactly how it is. And he wants us to be right with him and right with each other. So that's who God is. He wants to forgive us. Well, what about the next bit? Who is David? Well, God, you know my transgressions, he says in prayer, and my sin is always before me. God, you know everything about me. There's nothing that I can hide from you. It's always in front of me. You know, sometimes when we, when we do things and we just know that it's not really what God wants for us and it just sits there and it burns and you know it's just there, it's everything you think about. God knows. See, I've done a, a number of Alpha courses. I think I'm on this Alpha course is course number 19. And guaranteed, every time I do Alpha, someone will say, But Matt, you see, I'm actually not that bad a person. Why on earth would I need forgiveness? I've not sinned. I've not done anything wrong. Why do I need forgiveness? I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. And I always go, really? Can you say you've done nothing wrong in your life? Can you measure up to who God is? Because he's the only one uh, and Jesus who has never done anything wrong. Can you measure up to that? Can you say hand on heart that you've never done anything wrong? The answer is always no. Of course I've done stuff wrong. Well, then you need forgiveness. Then you need Jesus in your life. He's the only one that can take it away. David goes on to say, against you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. That sin that we hold on to, it's, it's like us being covered with the sticky substance that we just can't get rid of. Whatever we touch, it sort of sticks to and it's corrupting and it just hurts everything around us. And David found that out with uh, Bathsheba in this situation. But in our situation, it's the same thing. Sin corrupts everything around us. And it's against God we sin. And so we come to him and say, God, would you forgive us? 
Would you cleanse us from our sin, just as David did? Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, Emily and I don't have children, uh, so maybe it's with that in mind that I say this. But we often don't need to teach children how to do things wrong, do we? They know it instantly. Whether they are five months old or whether they're 15, we have to teach them good things and how to behave in the right way rather than the wrong way. They know it already, how to teach, how to do things in the wrong way. Any parents relate to that? Some nods. Some going, oh, my darling child would never do anything. We have to teach them good things. We don't have to teach them the wrong way. They kind of know it. It's like built into our DNA to do things uh, wrong or sinful. Even from birth, David says, I was sinful. I did a theology uh, discussion group uh, in Milton Keynes where we came from. And for some person, they were like, no, all children are born good. I'm going, really? Really? We would love to think so. But actually, we're all born with this inbuilt kind of sin that entangles us in all this stuff. And it's only in Jesus that we get to shed it because he has saved us by his death on the cross. David learned that wisdom in the secret place, it tells us. See, David didn't go and try and uh, cover it up again after Nathan revealed it. He goes into God's presence and says, forgive me. And it's that wisdom that I hope we might take on. Let's not cover our sin up, but go to God and say, God, would you forgive me? You're just and you're right and you know everything I've done. There's nothing I can hide from you. Would you forgive me? He was probably also thinking a little bit about about Saul, King Saul, the king that was uh, before him, his predecessor, that the spirit left him. And I think sometimes we might not want to bring our sin before God because we think, oh God, you're going to abandon me. You're going to leave me alone. But no, God is there. He will forgive. He will cleanse us. He will wash away all of our sin and make us whiter than snow. So do we need forgiveness? Yeah. Are we right before God? We weren't until we met Jesus and he washed us whiter than snow. And so we can come to God with all of our stuff and he'll forgive us. And forgiveness comes for David. David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. God forgives him. He forgives him from the guilt of bloodshed. He he says, you are forgiven. See, our cultural perspective on God is that uh, probably two things. One, that God is made up and I don't need him. Or two, that God is angry with me and I can't live up to his expectations. 
See, David, though, realizes that God's leaning is always towards forgiveness for those who come to him. We can be forgiven, whatever we've done. He's not angry. He's not out to get you. He's not going to be holding a stick ready to whack you when you do something wrong. He wants to say, come to me. Tell me what you've done and I'll forgive you. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, he learned from Saul that the spirit of God left King Saul and all sorts of things began to, to fall away. And so I wonder in the back of David's mind if he was thinking, oh, the sin that I've committed, the sin that I've done so wrong, God's going to take his spirit away from me. But he doesn't. He doesn't and he won't from us too. He can't. The spirit is given. The, the spirit on kings and prophets and priests and a donkey in the Old Testament came upon people and then for particular tasks and then left. See, we don't have the spirit on us now. The spirit is within us, makes us heirs and co-heirs with Christ. You've been adopted into his family. You cannot escape the Holy Spirit. If you say yes to Jesus, guess what? It's because you've got the spirit within you. The Spirit is not going to leave you. And here David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. See, when we come to God and we're blameless before him because the Spirit reminds us of all the sin and says, give it to Jesus, he'll take it away. See, when we've found salvation, when we've been free of our sin, our hearts are open up and it leads us to worship. And that's our final point. Look at the end of Psalm 51. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't delight in sacrifice or I'll bring it. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. He doesn't delight in, in burnt offerings, but delights delight in our hearts coming to him. And when our hearts are free from the sin that sort of binds us up, we are led to worship like David. Our lips are open. We can sing all the songs we've been singing because we're free. We're free. I was at New Wine a, a few years ago and um, uh, this one lady just got up and started dancing up and down the front. And I had a few people come to me going, Matt, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop this. You know, she's distracting everyone. What's going on? I'm going, what you don't realize is she's just been set free from carrying the guilt that she's been carrying for over 30 years. Uh, it turned out that she had uh, had an uh, extramarital affair and she'd been carrying the guilt of that affair for 30 years. And in that moment, in that place of worship, she was set free. God said, your guilt is gone. And so no wonder she was jumping for joy. She was dancing up and down because she was free. Maybe some of us might dance up and down. Maybe not. Some of you are now looking really terrified. 
But that freedom came and she was able to worship because she was free from that guilt. See, when we're free, that happens. It's like uh, if you want the the posh word for it, metanoia, turning 180 degrees. We were going this way, and now we're going God's way. He doesn't want sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. You are forgiven. All you have to do is say, God, would you forgive me? I put my trust in Jesus. He is the only way. And so this very, very honest prayer of David is something we can all do. Something we can all do. Maybe we haven't sinned in the same way, but we carry sin uh, with us wherever we go. We do it wrong all the time. We get it wrong all the time. I get it wrong all the time. But we have access to him. He'll listen to us. He wants to forgive. Jesus died for us so that we can have that access. So the holy God, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees his son, Jesus. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, it's very simple. We can come to him. We can come to him and say, God, forgive me. We can remember that we have been baptised in water. We've been washed clean. If you haven't been baptised, please come and chat to me or Laura or Steph. We would love to baptise you uh, by washing you. An outward sign of what God has done internally. And we can worship. So in a minute, I've got what will be our infant baptism font, bowl, whatever it is. And it does sound like a long wee, it's okay. Washed with water. So I think what we can do is we're just going to have a moment. A moment of confession. Between us and with God. And the stuff that we're carrying, we can just give it over to him. So why don't we be still? Holy Spirit, would you come? Thank you for joining us. We hope it blessed you. For more episodes and teachings, you can subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, or even share it on your socials. Tag us at Telford Minster on Facebook or Instagram. For this and more, head to telfordminster.org.uk.